so this is <laughs> welcome. This is Joseph Riley presents. Today I've got Dr. Jeffrey Smith, a psychotherapist, and myself, Joseph Riley. I was a probation officer in Cooperville, Washington, for a few years, and we're so happy to talk about one of my favorite things to talk about is children. You know, we're, we're calling our show and what about the children, and we want to talk about blended families and and single parenting. And um, before I go on to that, I just want to mention that our sponsor um, today is um, three three girls and one of the husbands of of this group is um, they're like in seniors and they have worked. I met them um, when they came in to look for flooring, and they have this Tahoya Adventure Resort in Belfair, Washington. And Jeff, you would like this. This place, they have um, they have made uh, luxury tents with toilets that flush, hello, and um, and just king size beds and really the the amenities of a, a hotel. But they're just out in the you know in the woods, and it's just phenomenal. I have pictures of them and. And but they have done this all themselves. These three women and her husband, they came in a couple of years ago, and I thought, boy, they're sure talking like they have a lot of work, and they have taken this property and they have turned it into a slice of heaven. So again, it's Tahuya Adventure Resort, and I'm going to have them talk about this a little later in the half hour. So Jeff, how are you? Marvelous. Great. The uh, Christmas season is in full swing. I'm broadcasting today from the back of my boat, and it happens to be the... <laughs> oh, did you have to say that? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, anyway. Yeah, so all the boats are decorated up for Christmas oh. tonight. And floating on the harbor. Well, so um, oh, I wanted to talk about... Um, well, we want to talk about bullying, but I think we won't... I think we need to dedicate a whole hour to that, Jeff. So mm-hmm. I think today I'd like to talk about blended families. Um, do you do you deal with blended families when you have people come in? Well, absolutely. That's uh, certainly in our time in history where we have so many families broken and divorces so common. Uh, the issue of blended families is definitely up in like the top five difficult issues to deal with. Yeah. And it really has to do with, you know, everybody's kind of suffering and in their own pain. And, uh, you know, when people are in pain, uh, we say hurting people hurt others. And so everybody's just reacting to everybody else's reactions. And it's a really difficult time for a family to try to navigate uh, toward any kind of healing. Yeah, you know, um, years ago, I met one of the Beardsley's kids. I don't know if you remember that whole story, his, hers, and ours. It was played by Lucille Ball and Henry Fonda, where he had 10 kids and she had 10, and they got married. And, um, I mean, it was just, he was the captain, I believe, in the, in the Navy, and she was, her husband had died. He was a pilot, and they joined forces. It was kind of, it was kind of a, a good show, but... Uh, of course, you know, nothing's like nothing's like the, the real deal, like movies. I mean, it certainly portrays a little bit of it. But I actually met somebody who was one of the kids. And so I said to him, did you ever see your father? He said, not at all. <laughs> he said, I, re- I was the last one, and I never, he didn't have time for me. 
However, he was well adjusted, and he and he really was a great guy, and he had his own business, and just a really nice young man. I was so happy to talk with him, because you know, um, I'm a champion for kids. We have, I've always have been, and I, I am. I worked as a um, at the high school a couple of years back, and I spent more time in probation with the kids than I did in class. But you know, I supported them, and they were great, and. And I just think that um, kids are pretty special. So um, blended families are really a, a whole complete different thing because what happens is, you know, you you meet someone and you they have kids and then you have kids and then you get together and and the kids aren't very happy about it because they, you know, they miss their mother or their dad and. And there lies the problem. So how do you how do you how do you fix that? How do you work within the system where everybody doesn't hate each other because of the situation, Jeff? Well, you know, the long answer, or the short answer to that potentially long question is through the technique of practicing mindfulness uh, to be mindful, to increase awareness, to be able to operate in reality as opposed to fantasy, dealing with what is, loving what is. Uh, one of my mentors I would consider a mentor, I've actually only met her uh, somewhat just like at a workshop, but, um, the, the book Loving What Is, written by Katie Byron, has a principle where when something's going on, we have two choices. We can love it, meaning accepting it, or we can hate it. But by hating it, it isn't going to change it at all. And that just keeps us stuck in the negative energy circling around it. Loving it doesn't mean doing nothing about it, just rolling over and taking it. But if there are aspects to which we cannot change, for example, if you're a child going through a divorce and then, you know, the parents at some point get together with somebody else and are moving forward, the kids are not in a position to direct or drive or change or control that. They're really along for the ride. And so what I try to help them do is focus on what they have rather than what they don't have and to accept the reality of how things move forward. And uh, they can begin to count the days, weeks, or years to a point where they can get out on their own and direct their own life in the way that they would like to live that. But in the meantime, having to follow new rules and entertain or interact with new people that they may or may not like to interact with. So, again, that was uh, uh, a long answer to a short question. Well, you know, of course, that was that's a great answer because I see this all the time. You know, I married somebody with four kids, and, of course, we had four more, or we. I had four other children, and so we had eight. And it was the highlight of my life. I grew up with those kids, and um, and we're very close, and I love them very much, and 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 don't think I didn't, I mean, I didn't have all the right answers either. But, you know, um, it, it just brings me to mind about um, I was given a couple of kids when I was working um, in the shop, and they, they brought them to me, and I trained, I worked with them, and this one girl come to mind that she was a beautiful, I think she was in 11th grade, and she was just a beautiful girl, she was a cheerleader, and I came. She came in one day, and I got it. And I came in, and she was crying. And so I said, "Honey, what's what's up?" And she said, um, 
my mother's got a new boyfriend, and he doesn't like me, doesn't trust me, and he thinks I lie to him all the time. And she's sticking up for him, and I, I can't handle it. And, of course, I said, what's her number? <laughs> but uh, I just waited a little bit, and we talked a little further. And then um, she was going to go to... Um, she was going to go to California. Her father had remarried, and he invited her to California for Christmas. And so I helped her with her. We we got some packages, and we wrapped them, and she actually went down for what was going to be a week, and she ended up moving down there. And so, you know, um, it, it's very difficult when when parents make choices where they don't understand how this all works with kids who who feel like isolated. Um, I mean, it's really hard to have someone that age sort of brushed aside and and not be included or have. I mean, um, she was pretty bummed out that her father or her step or rather her mother didn't have the respect for her that she needed to and didn't talk with her, that she was so in love with this new boyfriend that she was sort of put aside. It's pretty scary when that happens. You may remember Dr. Laura Schlesinger, who had a radio show in Los Angeles for a number of years. (laughs) she She was an advocate for single moms, to take a position uh, to not remarry and to really devote themselves to you know, going the full distance to their kids being 18 and out on their own. And I remember, you know, Laura was, I mean, I admire her brilliance and obviously she's very successful and she's uh, helped a lot of people, I am sure. Um, I found that particular counsel on her part to really be maybe idealistic to where a few people could pull that off. But for the most part, I find that we're programmed to be in a relationship and we want a couple. And most people believe that, you know, it takes two parents or two role models to to be able to pull that off. So although that might be idealistic, I just didn't see that many people being able to do it. No, yeah. So what seems to happen is, you know, at a time, you know, let's say the kids are in elementary school and the divorce happens and then they're in junior high school or high school when there's some kind of reunification and, uh, you know, a new relationship starting that at a time when the kids, you know, the parents might see the kids as, okay, well, they're, they're kind of self-sufficient and they can take care of themselves now, but it's like the decisions they're making as junior high and high schoolers are so much more important than what they would ever be making in the lower elementary grades. So, you know, we make the mistake oftentimes where we think that the kids can deal with less of us in their life because we're spending time dating somebody else or pursuing somebody else or just, you know, that whole honeymoon thing of a new relationship. And then the kids, as you said, uh, get ignored. And before you know it, they're trying to self-soothe through the experimentation of drugs or perhaps really you know, sexual experiences yeah, exactly. or something. Well, you know, remember, Jeff, when I came, because, I, I, of course, I worked in Beverly Hills, and I, I came up, I had done all the Academy Awards and Golden Globes, and I, and my grandson asked if I would give a talk at the high school, at Capital High School. 
And of course, I was very flattered to do that. And you know, usually they don't even think that their grandfather's, you know, what 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 does he know? Kind of thing. And so I was flattered. And so I I actually got enough flowers together to teach people how to make um, flower lace. And then I made a big Academy Award piece, and I and the principal walked in, and she said, "What did you give them? They're quiet." <laughs> and I said, "Well, I I think I just." I think I just got them kind of excited about what I'm doing. And well, she right. says, you know, you should be doing this for a living. So they gave me forty thousand dollars. I ended up teaching uh, a class there for a year, and I would have stayed longer, but they opened a new school. So, of course, all of us had to, you know, think about doing something else. But I say this because I was a highlight of my life, and I I spent a lot of time with the kids, and I taught in eleventh grade. A lot of the kids couldn't make change. I gave them a muffin tin, and I said, this is how you may change. And they said, well, we just push a button, and it tells us what to, t- <laughs> what to give back. And I said, well, if you're $20 short, guess who pays that back? You do. So we had fun, and we sold flowers during lunchtime, and they managed to they learned how to do a business. And we, we just had a great time. But I, I think I, I had said, Jeff, how many of you people are from divorced families, and I think out of 40 people, 40 kids that I had, I think two didn't raise their hand. Wow. And so, I know, and so we talked about different things, and we talked about different issues, and, and, you know, um, they told me about their stepfathers who wanted to replace their father, or, or vice versa and stuff, and I said, if parents just really knew that they, that's, that's, Trained on 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 really icy waters. I mean, it's uh, it's a difficult thing. You want to be supportive and you want to care about your family, but you really can't step in and be there. You just need to give them space and let them like you or love you the way that they need to, and not be the authoritarian person. Right. Uh, I mean, I, that's what I understand from all the stuff that I've talked with them and stuff. And, and so uh, it was it was it was great fun, and I I really had a great time. And and they learned some stuff, and I learned some stuff. And and then one of the teachers' conferences, um, one of the kids they had, I I taught at Capitol High, Olympic High School, and also a grade school. It was a school that I think you'd go the next year you'd come to high school. And there was teachers' conference, and there was four teachers and four students, one student for every or one teacher for every student. And so I was invited to teachers' conference, and so there was a, one of the kids said the F word, and I said, "What did you say?" And he repeated it, and his father was there, and so his father said, "I can't believe you said that." And I said, "Oh." And what do you do? He goes, "Well, I just came by. I've just been in prison for the last six years. I just got out." I said, well, how do you expect them to be different than you? Mm-hmm. He said, I guess you're right. I just said, you know, it, this is what we all have to understand about kids. We set the example. You know, we really, really do. And and um, they're they're like they're like puppets. They really follow our lead in many cases. And and just like you know, I. I Bullying. I mean, I, I think that starts at home in many cases, Jeff. What do you, what's your feeling about that? 
Oh yeah, it's just it's you know bullies actually train and recruit and create other bullies, and uh, you know it, we fall into the category of observer, perpetrator, or victim. So of course, the bully would play the role of the perpetrator, and the one being bullied would be the victim um, in the counseling and the process of learning how to step out of that role of the victim because victims attract bullies and vice versa. There's some kind of, I don't know, chemical, magnetic, (laughs) spiritual, or some metaphysical energy that seems to link these people together. You know, uh, to be able to step out of that and become an observer rather than continuing that dance of back and forth uh, because eventually victims become bullies. Yes. And then we have to break that cycle. And this is what I this is what I know, and I want to talk about this at length maybe next time we're on the air. But I want to tell you that I remember this one case that I was working on. This husband and wife, they I think he drank, and they often argued, and they had their issues like a lot of families do. I mean, no family is, you know, the... the um, not all families are wonderful like the uh, little ones we used to watch on TV, right? Um, but I remember um, I, I, I was called in because the kid was having some school issues, and you know, and so I went to the parents, and I met the parents, and I said to the parents, uh, the mother, the mother was the one who, because the father was gone all the time. And I said, I want you to take the piece of paper. I want you to write down all the things that you think you can do to change this to your son that you would like to see him do different. And then she said, okay. And then so she, and I said, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you next week. And I had her do that. And I said, then flip the page over and, and write down how you think it'd be, you, could, you could fix it or it could be better. And all the things that you didn't like or that you have a problem with and then how you could fix it. And so when I went back the next week, she showed me all the stuff and she said, I realized that he doesn't have the problem I do. Right. And I said, that's exactly what I was trying to tell you, that they are puppets of, of us and... And if you have a problem and you think it's something that they did, not I mean, not all cases, I mean, come on. But in this case, this was the one where she wrote down all the stuff that she thought was upsetting to her, and it was her that was a problem because she was unhappy with her marriage and they were having problems, and so, and she took it out on him. Right. So Joseph what happens when we were talking earlier today about what we would be talking about on the radio today, and I spent some time thinking about oftentimes you'll listen to a radio show and people will go on and on and on defining the problem and using different examples and some anecdotes and things like that. And oftentimes I find radio shows to be lacking on, well, what do you do about it? So for a couple of minutes, if it's all right with you, I would like to talk about some interventions. Oh, yes, of course. That both parents and kids going through a blended family uh, would be able to do so that they don't 
wind up uh, self-medicating or trying to numb themselves or escape the emotional pain, you know, going through all that process. And it's a really simple concept, but it's a huge shift. We call when people make a big shift, we call it a paradigm change. It's a fun word to to bring into your vocabulary. But uh, the idea is that things actually should be the way they are right now. And we, we're taught differently. We're taught that things that we don't like should be different than they are right now. <laughs> and we have it backwards. And so most of the times when people use the word, this should be this way instead of that way, they're really lying to themselves consciously. We're creating a distortion of truth. And when our subconscious mind and our unconscious mind then hears that, it believes it. The conscious mind, the small part, 18%, knows what's real and what isn't real. And the subconscious mind and the unconscious mind, the 82%, it, it believes everything until the conscious mind, the small part, says this is true or this isn't true. And the reason, and this isn't, you, everybody knows this, because when you go to watch a scary movie, you're 18% of your brain that's sitting in the movie theater and says, this is Freddy Krueger, who's a fictitious character, and he really doesn't exist. If your whole being believed that, you wouldn't be scared at all about all the things that happened. But because 82% of your brain doesn't know that Freddy Krueger is only a fictitious character, it believes it. And you have this startle experience when you're watching a movie. And, you know, we, and have you ever thought about how long werewolves have been in our lexicon and our folklore and vampires and the, where, you know, just all these different characters? It's like, well, I've never seen one, but everybody could draw a picture of one. Everybody could tell you yeah, what they're supposed yeah. to sound like and be like. That's because yeah. that stuff exists in our subconscious, unconscious mind. So th- those are, you know, real things that when you put it back into this context of, okay, I'm going through a divorce. My kids are going through this with me. I'm wanting to meet somebody new and put a new life together. And we have different habits and we have different likes and dislikes. And we have to kind of compromise and figure out how all this is going to go down. And it should be hard. (laughs) And and how do we know that? Because it is. (laughs) It's really simple. The things that are hard are supposed to be that way. And, And they take time. And so if you just go with this idea that mom and dad are going to want to find somebody new and they're probably going to have kids and these kids are going to meet these kids and, you know, or maybe only one of the adults has kids and the other one is doing a big act of love to want to take on the responsibilities and share their life and being a mentor to these new kids, you know, but there should be old loyalties to the, other parents, and there should be conflict and strife. I mean, that's all part of it. It's all part of it. Because most of us are really struggle of letting go of what was and are trying to now accept what is. And we're hoping, and we're hoping that you all get it back. That's the part. That's the sad part. Isn't I that mean, amazing? We just, we, that we really think, is true. We really think, and, and we blame ourselves. We think it's our fault that, we, that, that my parents broke up. Right. We, we really you know blame ourselves. I could have been better. I, if I didn't do this, or if I, did, it's not that way at all. Right. So I, I, I want to share something really funny with you. My daughter, who moved in with me at Mercer Island when, when 
I got divorced, and she moved in with me. And every time, I mean, I didn't see a lot of people because I was working full-time, and I had, we were doing all kinds of fun stuff, and so I didn't have a lot of time. But every time I'd bring someone over for dinner, they would go, and she'd say, oh, she's okay. And then I thought, well, okay, because it was very important for me that to have her like the person that I'm seeing, even if it's only just friendship. Right. Because, as you know, kids can be pretty catty if they don't like someone you're with. So, and finally, about the last four times she didn't like anybody, I thought to myself, well, what am I, you know, I'm, I don't need to do this right now. I'll just wait so she'll be out of, she'll, just, she'll, just as the last year, she'll graduate, and I won't have to, you know, disappoint her or make, it, make me feel guilty or whatever. So... What but no one's to me is like Sleepers in Seattle. She felt guilty about not liking anybody, so she put an ad in a paper for me. And I had uh-huh. all these calls from these girls, and I had no idea. And they'd show up at my door. I had no idea. And I finally said, "Can I talk to my daughter alone?" <laughs> and I said, "What did you do? You and they she." And she said, well, I felt so bad because I never liked anybody that you liked, so I thought maybe you ought to, maybe we can find, you can find someone else. I mean, God bless them. Um, I mean, pretty you special. You mentioned a couple minutes ago about this concept that a lot of parents and kids have, which is trying to go back to the way that things were. Yes. And what's interesting about that concept is let's say that you drew a line and that timeline was, you know, the length of time this relationship existed. And, and these were the good times. And let's say the last few years were the bad times. It's like people want to draw this line like a loop. They turn 180 degrees and go back to the good times. Mm-hmm. But if, if we did that, we would just simply get back on that same path that would lead us to right where we are now. So mm-hmm. going back only gets you to where you are right now. Which would be just reinventing the problem again. So we got to get this idea of going back out of our head. There really is only going forward and going forward with new strategies and new interventions and new beliefs and new ideas and new ways of accepting so that we can be content. That's what we're trying to do. So that's so, that's so how, does, how does a mother or father say to their son or daughter? Here's the deal. I'm, I'm, I love your mother, and oh, well, that's a whole different story too. But um, I love your mother. I love your dad, or whatever. And I'm gonna. I'm. I want you to know that um, I have no intention of replacing them, you know. But I also want to find someone else. How do you handle? How do you say? Um, how you know? How do you differentiate that whole thing? Like you just said sit down and have a, I mean, a conversation that they understand, or um, that's easy for us to explain. Well, you know, children, of course, they will hear parents fighting, and they'll sometimes even feel the emotional turmoil that's going on in the home, but they're really not feeling the battle that mom and dad are feeling, and they kind of expect mom and dad just to suck it up and behave and keep the family together for the sake mm-hmm. of keeping the family together. Mm-hmm. And it's something that the kids are not actually even going to know or be able to comprehend until they're adults themselves one day. And and I'll tell them that. I'll say, you know, you're 10 or 12 or 14 right now, and I, you probably have a lot of things figured out about how the way the world works. 
but you're really not going to truly understand this until you are your parents' age one day. And all of a sudden, it's going to click, and you're going to get it. You're going to go, oh, that's why they couldn't be together anymore. Or that's why it just went as far as it could go. And, you know, this it, it, it's so much better to end an embattled relationship if two people aren't willing to do the work to do the changes. And see, uh, the old school, other, just, we, we, you know, I mean, not so much now, but the old school is that they stayed together no matter what. They just they worked it out, and, and, and of course yeah. they were miserable. And, yeah. and and consequently, the father drank, and the mother and beat the mother, and she put up with it because she didn't want to leave him, and her, and on and on. And and, and I was in that relationship for a long time with my family. My mother put up with my father who drank and who abused her, and um, and it wasn't for years that we figured it out. And uh, but she stuck with him, and it was you know I don't know I don't know what's what's worse is having someone who abuses you and and treats you like this and does all these things or clear that you know my father would never never have been a good ex I mean he wasn't you know he just wouldn't have been a good ex but um but I'm just saying that this is a lot of people. And it's just like abusive relationships. They don't. They don't want to. They're afraid to end it because they're afraid of what happens. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's, yes, it's fear, a vicious fear circle. The, fear keeps people stuck, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So so how do we how do we get around that? We just simply sit down and say. Here's what my thoughts are, and what are your thoughts? You ask them for information. Do you think that's a good way to do it? Yeah, of course. Anytime that parents are willing to sit down and give uh, an open mic to their kids to just process their thoughts and feelings, um, not necessarily to meet any demands or to negotiate, but just, you know, sometimes negotiation can happen, but it's mainly just so important See, I, the problem is none of us got none of us got instructions about how true. to raise kids. <laughs> right, you know, right. That's what allowed me to do my job. Right. You know, I mean, really. And so I remember years back, I was working at Coop Hill High School, and I had a kid who climbed a flagpole and broke it in half, and boy, was he in trouble. And so I went, I went to the principal, and I said, "Can I go meet his parents?" And so. I went to, if you remember who Edith Bunker and uh, of course. that couple Archie. is, yeah. that was his yeah. parents when I got there. I was, I said to the principal, have you met his parents? And she goes, no. I said, there's the problem. And we laughed about it because, so I, I, I used the reverse psychology on him. I said, do you want to get back at your teachers? Yeah. I said, ask for homework. They hate when you do that. <laughs> And so whatever I did, it worked, and he ended up really doing pretty well. And so, as you know, when you have a troubled youth, they normally have, they run around with the same kinds of lights, of course, lights run around with lights. Yep. And so and so, I'm at my place at 1 o'clock in the morning doing doing some stuff, studies or something, I forget what I was doing, and I and I hear a knock at the door, and I walk open the door, and there's five kids at my door. 
I told him, what are you guys doing here at 1 o'clock in the morning? And they said, well, we went to a dance, and we went by the by the barn, and we pulled some string out of a baler, and the old retired sheriff said he's going to get go to our parents' house and make us pay, and they were petrified. So I said, listen, come back tomorrow morning, and I'll take each one of you home and explain what happened, and, and it'll be fine. So they were there bright and early, 8 o'clock in the morning. And I threw, I had a little Camaro convertible, I threw them all in my car, and I went to each house, and I swear to you, Jeff, they, each parent I went to said word for word the same thing. And at that time, we, we didn't call probation, we called it county court services, because probation just had a bad vibe, so we, we called it county court services. So... I went in there. I said, hey, I'm Joseph. I'm with County Court Services. And the, I swear to you, every mother, every father said, Jesus, what did he do now? And I said, can I talk to your parents alone? And I said, and they went outside and I said, well, I want to know what did you do to drive this kid to a perfect stranger at 1 o'clock in the morning? Right. You don't even know what I'm going to say, and you're already fine to fall with it. And see, this is the thing that um, that we somehow we have to fix that. Because I'm I'm proud to say that I had a son who was six foot when he was in seventh grade, and he um, he ran around with a, a nice bunch of guys, and we bought him a car and. And one day, I and they knew I worked for probation in Troopville, so it wasn't like it was a big deal, but the police department calls me up and says, we have Terry up here because we found him with gas in the car, and someone built, burnt a, law, uh, a cross on the lawn of a vice principal. And this vice principal was a character. I mean, I thought to myself, you know, certainly that wasn't a good thing to do, but I thought to myself, you know, I'm surprised someone didn't do worse because he was such a piece of work, and he and people hated him. But certainly wasn't justified for this. So, so my son, I said to my son, can I talk to Maloney? He says, yeah. I said, I want to ask you, I want you to tell me the truth. Did you do it? He said, no. I said, then get your stuff. We're leaving. Because he knew if he said yes, I would support him. Uh huh. He knew that if I'd fight him, I'd fight with for him. And I, I wouldn't agree with what he did, but I would have fought for him. And he knew that. And he said, no, I did not do it, Dad. And I said, okay, well, we're leaving. And I said to the police department, the police, we're leaving. If he if he did it, he would tell me, and I would support him. And he knows that, so when you find someone, let me know. We walked out of the police department. Nice. But, but all I'm saying is you have to store. How do you do that with your kids? How do you let them know that no matter what, you may not like what they do, but you have to be told. You know, you have to have them share something that doesn't blow, you know, even, even I mean, I remember my son now is a retired police officer, but he used to have my car all the time. He had my car so much that they thought it was his car. <laughs> and then he'd tell me, you know, as he got older, well, today I, I you know, whatever. And I'd say, What? You know, but I mean, I, I wasn't, when he told me stuff, I wasn't like, inside I was going, I can't believe he said that or did that, but you just can't show that emotion. You have to just say, okay, well, unless it's something really, really bad, but it never really was, but you just had to have, they have to have your understanding. And so here's this father, 
And I swear, I went to five of the houses, and each parent said the same thing. So I said, listen, nobody has the answers. I mean, don't you know I expect you to have all the answers, but you have to at least listen and get the story before you condemn him for something that he really didn't do anything wrong. And so I met with him once a month, and we, we lined up with all the parents, and we talked about the kids, and then we talked to the kids about the parents, which I want to happen here. I want kids to be able to call in and talk to us, Jeff, <clears throat> about bullying and about right. different things. And I want to be able to, especially you, because you're a psychotherapist. Um, I just want them to understand that we're here for them. We're a champion for kids. And any parents who want to call in and, and ask for anything, I want I want to be able to do that, to have a chance to do that, um, because I just believe that power and knowledge is power. Right. Yeah. Certainly, and, the application of knowledge is power. Yep. I mean, so that's what I want to do, and I want to make sure that when, one of the things I want to share with you is, 17 years ago, I drove from San Diego to Seattle. I had an old 1979 Jaguar, and I only got one station. It was a Christian station, and I listened to it all the way from Sacramento to Seattle. And it was a story about this kids calling in, just, and there's a couple of pastors and a couple of counselors, and it, it just moved me because the one daughter, girl, said, I wonder, I, my mother won't let me see my father because he hasn't paid child support. I want to run away. And the pastor said, well, Marcia, this is not, this is never a good thing to do something like this. You, you got to talk to your mother like you're talking to me and say, this isn't my, I don't have, this, this isn't my problem. This is between you two. And I don't want to be, I don't want to be held hostage over something that is not my control. I love my dad. I want to see him, and he need to work this out somehow. I was so moved by this, Jeff, because I was thinking to myself, this is what we need. We need kids to be able to call up and say how they feel from their heart and get someone to say, here's what I would do or here's what I think. And that's my goal to do to bring this back on the air and to do this and that people, especially, Jeff, especially people who are bullied, I mean, right. you know, I, I, we we could save a lot of suicides, a lot of people who who no longer can, who they think cannot, you know, be here because of what is going through. So they can email us, they can call us, the parents can call us. So I just want us to be able to be a sounding board for these kids. That's a wonderful desire. No reason that can't happen. Well, I think if we're going to try and do a show every other Saturday, and we will do, talk about different topics, we'll talk about single parenting, we'll talk about blended families, we'll talk about bullying, we'll talk about um, kids who 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 are ten or eleven who think they're gay, and they all of a sudden they can't handle it. That whole thing, um, and just everything to do with of life, and and uh, everything to do with with children who don't have a voice. I want to give them a voice. 
That sounds like the heart of Joseph Farley. <laughs> well, you know me a long time, Jeff, and, and um, you know, I, I want to make this a better place than I found it. And, um, and and as you know, because we've had so many, we've, we've done so many shows about what happens when you die, and what I do know is that when we're, when we have a life review, we're asked more than three things, but the three things that I remember that were asked is how much we have loved. Right, right. How much have we loved? And the other thing that's very important is what we have done for others. Mm-hmm. What have we done for others? And then lastly, Jeff, this is a beauty forgiveness, starting with yourself. Of course. How can you forgive anyone if you don't forgive yourself? <clears throat> and and I, I, think, think. I really think if, if, I mean, I may be wrong about this, but I think that if a young man or a young girl really, really loved herself the way that she should, because she has a beautiful body that God made, you know, then no matter what happens, she could just say, you know, I don't need anybody's approval. I know what I have, and, I, and I'm happy about it. Mm-hmm. So how do, we, how do we do that? How do we get people to love themselves? Remember the guy we had on, on, the, on the radio for a long time? What was his name? Um, Jeffrey Marks? Yes. Well, yeah. no, Jeffrey, but the other guy, the one that said you ought to marry yourself, have a relationship with yourself. Remember that one? Oh, off the top of my head, I don't. I, I, I forget his name now, but he was wonderful, and we laughed about it. In fact, you said you uh, had listened to some of his seminars, and you thought he was wonderful, and we kind of thought he was... <laughs> we have had a lot of people, haven't we, Jeff? We've had, I bet we've had over 200 guests. <laughs> we really, we really it's, have. It's, it's a great question. It really, to me, is the most fundamental question of what we're doing here on the planet, is this idea of being able to love and accept yourself. And it would seem that all these other people that show up in our life, uh, particularly the ones that we see as adversaries uh, that bring conflict and crisis, um, those, are our, those are our teachers. And those are really the ones that, you know, we, we get to experience those those conflicts and the, the, the contrast and say, even though this person doesn't see me as a, a nice person or somebody they want to accept, I know that I'm still acceptable. I know that I'm still lovable. There's certainly a lot of people that will show up in our life to tell us that we're not lovable and that we're not acceptable. And it's our job to stick with the truth, which is that... So, I mean, a, so, but, you know, for a young man or a woman... How do they get there? How do they really, I mean, this is what I want to know. How do you really, because, you know, I mean, I, myself, I went through, you know, I mean, like everybody else, you know, I, uh, in fact, I, I, I went, I left high school and I didn't go back to college or to high school until years later, but I left high school because I got in an argument with my dad and I joined the Navy at 17. I mean, so, um, and I, I know there's lots of stories like that. Yes. But, 
but, but you know, I mean, so we talked about divorce, talked about blended families, we talked about bullying, we talked about... Um, I mean, so so what? So what's your take? What do you think? Well, I know that the more that we talk about this and uh, other people hear it, we get to spread the message, and ultimately we're trying to help. This is it. I think that people need to know that they're not alone. This is Mm -hmm. the main thing. They're not alone. That everyone goes through. I remember when I was a janitor at the hospital. I saw a guy who I was just leaving. I was I had a 11 o'clock shift, and I was just finishing up. And this guy was in his pajamas, and he was head down. And I said, hi, how are you? And he said, I'm terrible. And I said, well, what's up? And he goes, I've, I'm a drunk. I said, so who isn't? I'm the, I'm, I said, so who isn't? I'm this. I said, so who's not? And I said, yeah, we all. no one has a patent on life. Everyone struggles. Everyone goes through stuff. I said, come on, let me show you something. I brought him in one of the rooms, and I would have gotten fired if I, if someone knew about it. But I sat him down, and I showed him how to meditate. And Jeff, in in five minutes, he was just tears out of his eyes, and he said, I've been wanting to do this all my life. And he he found this special thing that he was looking for. So he goes back to the ward, and the Corman called me up and said, what'd you tell him? What'd you give him? I said, nothing. Why? Because he wants to go home. He's been here for three months. And he wants to go home. He's okay now. This is what I do. This is what I did that. And, you know, I think every everybody has, everybody matters. Of course. <laughs> no rejects, no mistakes. You know, I mean, everybody's here for a reason, and we learn from each other, don't we? Hopefully, <laughs> right? Yeah, well, there are some on the fast track, and some seem to be going on a little slower pace. Yeah. Ultimately, uh, we're told that you're really. So I'm waiting to... for the girls to call in. You know, um, we have um, Karen. And Amy and Lynette, who are the three hardest-working girls, women I've ever met, and her husband is Dave, they're the ones who did this um, wonderful Tahuya Adventure Resort. When they came in and talked to me when I was at a shop floor covering, doing flooring, and I I thought they were just like, I thought, I thought they were kind of out there that they would take something like this with this kind of, how to do it like this, and they actually worked their hearts out. And again, they're like in their 70s, 60s, 70s, and they just didn't want to retire. They wanted to do this wonderful, and I'm telling you, you have to look it online. It's Tahuya, it's T-A-H-U-Y-A, Adventure Resort. It's in uh, Belfair, Washington. Their phone number is 360-205-2082, and they have a website, and it's Rustic Luxury Tent Rentals, camping, biking, RVs, welcome, and they have, um, you can rent the, um, SUV, the SUVs with the, um, you know, the three-wheel things you can go through in the woods, and they do all that. 
Are the girls on? Well, I guess we're not going to get them on today. What time is it? We almost done. Oh, that's... oh, no problem. I, I guess we'll just continue. Um, <clears throat> we um, Anyway, I met these ladies, and they have put this place together. It's a slice of heaven. And, uh, and what I say is they put together a 30-foot Christmas tree and lit it and then put Christmas balls on, and they have a kitchen... I mean, in the middle of the woods, they have a kitchen with a microwave and and uh, a um, a sunken fireplace and all of those wonderful amenities and things that you would never find anyplace else in a place like this. And what we're going to do is, um, in uh, in January, we're going to, to present this at a bridal show because a lot of people I know would like to get married like this. In fact, one woman is renting the whole place for three um the whole three days and they, and they have enough space for I don't know like 20 or 30 RVs so you bring your RV up there and you you have a wedding and you have all this beautiful scenery it's pretty special are you a camper Jeff uh, well, I do it my camper floats yeah <laughs> me too my cap my, my camping thing is the Hilton hotel. But until I saw this, I thought that was pretty special. But I'll tell you right now, this is pretty special. So I want to support them because they're they're helping us support our show, and we'll continue on doing so. We're going to have them on. Um, we just we the, the the phones problem is they're in the middle of nowhere as far as phones concerned. So they're probably not going to be talking to us right now today. But that's fine. Um, so Jeff, um, so we've covered, so what do you have to, do you have anything else you want to add? The, yes, I do. When, uh, when I'm working with families again on this topic of blended families, I like to begin my work with somebody by telling them, if you do this journey, it's going to be okay. You're, you're going to have an adventurous, but satisfying life. If you just do a little bit of work, you read some self-help books, you go to some groups, you get some counseling along the way, you try to be loving to others and to yourself, you're actually going to have an okay life. And then we get down to the details part. But, you know, I try to set that big picture in place that at some point you're 18, 19, you go to college, and you get a job, and you create all of this yourself, and you just don't reinvent, you try not to reinvent what your parents did. And, and they get it. Kids are like, yeah, okay, well, I can do that. And I also tell them that, you know, at your age, it may seem like a long time before you're 18, if you're 14. But you and I know, my gosh, four years goes by like four weeks. You're getting me older, you get the faster it goes. <laughs> Everybody keeps saying that, and it seems to be true. So, you know, it's like it's going to go by quickly. You can do this. There's things to learn along the way. It should be the way that it is and really trying to help them accept that and step into it, step into it, as opposed to trying to fight it and resist it. You know, we're going to talk about this at length, Jeff, because I think this is a wonderful way to really make this work. I think what I want to say to you is how do you stop abusive relationship as far as not, not I'm talking about like, 
say a father abuses his wife and kids, and normally, I mean, my father was abused when he was a child. His father died when he was 32 years old. He fell from his castle. He was farmed off to his grandmother, and that was during the war, and his grandmother abused him. Not sexually, certainly, but just abused him. And so every, my knowledge is every person who's an abuser abuses people. So how do you stop that? How do you stop that chain? I mean, because I, I think that that's just what people do. Do you, do you get that when you when you talk to people? Yes, we do know that bullies train other bullies, and hurting people hurt others, and then they just perpetuate that. And at some point, that program seems to get activated, and then all of a sudden the whole thing gets reinvented again. But if you do help people be mindful that they do have a choice, they don't have to do this dance between I'm the perpetrator now and then I'm the victim and we go back and forth and now I'm going to victimize you and you're going to be, you know, <laughs> it's just this dance that we do of going back and forth and help people realize they're doing that dance. And then one day they say, okay, stop dancing. Just sit this one out. You don't have to do this program. They push you. You don't have to push back. Yeah, you but that's sure easier said than done, isn't it? Oh, of course, it is. Absolutely because, not. Because it's our instinct is, you know, who, who, you know, I mean, you want to, yeah, I mean, um, and teachers, I mean, I, I, listen, I didn't have any, well, I shouldn't say it, I don't, I feel that I certainly did have respect for teachers, but not like I, not like I do when I spent a year there. These guys are dedicated, they go there at 7.30 in the morning, they're there until 7 o'clock at night, and God bless them, that's all I got to say. Um, you know, the problem is with with the school system right now, I don't think they know how to deal with this uh, bullying thing. Because, Jeff, this has been going on since I was a probation officer, and it's still going on, and it hasn't, it has not, it has not gotten better. Well, it's an interesting thing that you bring up, the school system. So when I was in elementary school, our principal was a bully. He spanked you. <laughs> oh, hey, let me let me just tell you something before <laughs> before the time runs out. We all I had I had a we I bought horses because I wanted a horse, so I bought a horse for all my kids. And and one day I said to my son, we I bought him a black Tennessee Walker, and I said to him, "How come you're not riding your horse?" He goes, "My legs are sore." I said, "Why your legs sore?" He went, "Cause the coach." Beat us with the rubber hose because we lost the game. I said, "What? Wow. What did you say?" No. Oh, he said, "Please don't go up there. Please." Don't. I said, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> I marched myself. I was junior high school. <coughs> I marched myself up there and I said, "Did I want to talk to the guy, this coach, and I want to talk to the principal in your office?" And I left. I, I got him fired. I said, what kind of sportsmanship is this? You get beat up with a hose across his... He had welts in his legs, Jeff. Yeah, I believe that. Because he lost, they lost the game. Are you kidding me? So, you know, I mean, I've only done this three times. I, I, I actually was working in Coopville, and the, 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 this, one of the kids that I was working with told me that this, this one teacher was pretty aggressive. I mean, not all of them are like this. I'm not saying that at all, because God knows they certainly are, are prince among men. But 
um, this guy, this kid told me that this principal was pretty aggressive, so one day I just showed up, and he literally was on the floor over top of this kid, beating him up, and I got fired that same hour. I mean, look, this is, you know, I mean, so we, we need to talk to the school system. We need to figure out some way that we can help with this stuff because everybody has a story. I see it all the time. Yes, one of the things that would be really helpful for all of us is to look at each other as equals, and even that adults and children were equals. So we're going to have to, I guess this hour went by fast, Jeff. That must mean we were having fun. I'm telling you, I can't thank you so much for being a part of this thing, and we'll talk in week after next on a Saturday at 4, and we'll, we'll talk about bullying. We got a plan. Sounds my great, my friend. God bless you. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Joseph Body Presents, and uh, and we'll talk to you soon.